Um, you know, we, we enjoy all of those things. And we can find some amazing stories and in the Bible of some cosmic encounters. And today we are going to spend some time in Scripture looking at an encounter that I've looked over a bunch of times, but for some reason it just stood out, the cosmic implications of this encounter. June 6, 1944. Operation Overlord took effect. We know it best as D-Day. The Operation Overlord was the name of the event that took place. 156,000 soldiers from Britain, from Canada, and from the U.S. got into ships and transport-type carriers, got into planes and jumped behind enemy lines, and began their assault on the beaches of Normandy. Juno Beach, Gold Beach, Sword Beach, Utah Beach, and Omaha Beach. Five beaches on this day were being invaded because the Allied army knew that they needed to create a different angle of attack. They needed to get a stronghold where they could move through and put an end to this world war. So on that day, a an attack delayed by one day because of stormy weather. The sea's still rough. Ships being pushed off course and not being able to get in to some different areas as they pushed in and began their assault on these beaches. We've seen the pictures of these young boys. Attacking this beach, running onto this beach, following their orders, knowing that they were going to overtake these strongholds of the Nazi army and were going to go in and create a spot where they could begin to turn the tide. And this was it. This was the turning point in the war. This was it. And they came in. And within one week... They had secured all five beaches, all five beachheads. They had them secure. They moved out from there and within three months had gone from the shores of France all the way to Paris and had taken back France. Within three months, they had moved out and done this. What an amazing story. It is estimated that approximately 2.5 million soldiers or support staff for the war used the beaches of Normandy to gain access into France and to strengthen the lines. Tons and tons and tons of supplies came in. And all because of this one day when men 
got into these container-type ships and just stormed these beaches. Man, it just, it just moves you to think about the sacrifice of some of those men giving it all. The courage of all of them to even get in and storm these beaches, being exposed to the enemy. Operation Overlord. June 6, 1944. Approximately, give or take, 2,000 years before June 6, 1944, there was a similar assault. Work with me now. Jesus team number six. Just it rolls off the tongue. Jesus team number six had gotten into a boat, a boat that experienced some storms of its own. They had sailed all night, fought the elements, were cold, tired, wet, miserable, and fearing for their lives when suddenly the storm goes away. In their euphoria, they are just ecstatic. Who is this guy that he controls the winds and the waves? Who is this man? Who is this leader of our team? They are caught up in the euphoria of that moment, I imagine, that as the sun begins to hit the peaks of the western mountains, as it begins to rise over the Sea of Galilee, the shadows still over there, as they land at Catacomb Cove on the Sea of Galilee. I just made that part up, Um, but it works. As they landed at Catacomb Cove, at Swine Sand Beach, here they are landing and they are looking and in the euphoria, they are coming to a realization that Jesus must have been pushed off course because no man in his right mind would ever land a boat at Catacomb Cove on Swine Sand Beach. Nobody would do that. But the disciples, bolstered in their bravery, got out of the boat, rushed to the sword. Jesus stepped out of the boat and walked onto the sand. It was then that the shrieks, and out of politeness to you, I will not try to imitate, but I just want you to imagine shrieks, shrieks that would put the scariest thing around at this time of year to shame. Shrieks of terror, of horror. The disciples, unlike the soldiers on Normandy beaches, retreated back to the safety of their ship and got in, hunkered down, huddled and watched as this naked man or men, doesn't really matter um, how many there were, but as these demon-possessed individuals rushed at Jesus with shrieks of terror that sounded like they came from the gates of hell itself. Jesus calmly stands there knowing that he 
must win this beachhead so that he can further a mission. And today, we're going to look at this cosmic conflict that is happening right here on this beach. A story that I'm sure you've heard many times. If you haven't, it can be found in the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Today, we're going to go to the book of Mark, and we're going to look at this cosmic conflict that takes place as Jesus is coming over to the other side of the lake, to the city away from the Jewish people that have known him a lot. He is coming over to the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee, where he is going to plant a flag on Swine Sand Beach and say, this will be the moment that you can look to to know how the victory takes place. So I invite you to turn with me to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. It's the second of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Two-thirds of the way through, we're going to go to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 6. The, these these demon-possessed men, or in the story of Mark, he's only focused on the one who did the most talking or who was the puppet for the demons doing the most talking, whatever the case might be. He focuses on the one. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus, that would be a, the demoniac man, the men, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him and cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he, being Jesus, for he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he, Jesus, asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. The chapter 5, that is right. This is a cosmic showdown. This is a cosmic conflict that we are witnessing here between the, the demons, legion, and the Jesus. And I want to pull out what this, what this story can show us about this cosmic conflict and how it impacts our lives. 
And so we're going to look at that. First, I want to definitely make you aware that there is a cosmic showdown taking place on this beach in this story. At this moment, there is a meeting up between Jesus, the Son of God, and between the fallen angels of Satan, the demons. And this is one of those moments where they come and are communicating together to be heard by others and are in this moment, in this showdown. We are in a cosmic conflict. Like it or not, whether you feel like a pawn or not, we have the unfortunate privilege, you could say, but an amazing, amazing opportunity as we are a part and taking place front row seats to this cosmic conflict. Ephesians chapter 6 lays that out. Paul writing, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Whenever we have an issue with somebody, that is not where our true issue lies. When it is a spiritual conflict, it is not with flesh and blood. It is not with your brother across the aisle, not with your sister in the seat next to you. It is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We are in a cosmic showdown, in a cosmic conflict. And so let's look at this story and see where, those, where these cosmic points come out. First, I want to talk to you about what do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God. This, this phrase is a, is a idiom that is used throughout the Bible. It's kind of, it is a cliche. It is eventually, it is essentially a challenge of power. Jesus actually uses this phrase. If you think to the story of the first miracle of Jesus found in John chapter 2, The wedding party has run out of beverage. They're looking for more beverage. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, Hmm, I have got a solution for this problem. His name is Jesus, and I will go ask him, and I know he will take care of it. And so she says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. We don't know what to do. Jesus looks at her and says, Woman, what? Do I have to do with you right now? What have I to do with you right now? This is a challenge against authority. This is saying, the demons in this point are saying, Jesus, you, I'm challenging your authority to even come talk to us right now. This is, this is not the place for this. It is not the time. This is not the place. And so they are pointing out, it's like, listen, I am challenging you. You, what should I What do you have to do with me right now? I am challenging your authority. The cosmic conflict is all about authority. It is all about the authority of Jesus and whether or not Jesus and God, the Godhead, whether or not they are using their authority in loving and appropriate ways. This is a challenge on the character of Jesus. Jesus, the son of the most high God. So right away, there is a challenge put forth from the demons. 
The next line. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. These are the demons speaking to Jesus. This, today all of my, ver- my verses are coming from the King, New King James Version. But if you are using that version and you look at the word implore, you will notice a little number three by it. Um, and that it points to a word in the margin that is a different word. Some some other translations will use this word. A lot of translations kind of use the word beg or implore or something like that. That word gets used a couple more times, and we're going to look at those. But this time, in Greek, in the original language of Mark, this word is different. And it's a word that doesn't flow off the tongue, or we certainly don't use very much. But the real word that's kind of used there is essentially saying, I adjure. Adjure, say that with me. Adjure. I adjure you by God. Now, catch this. The word adjure is similar to taking an oath. It is a a challenge of an oath. So here the demons, get this, here the demons are challenging Jesus and saying, by an oath, going to none other than God himself, the demons are essentially making an oath in God's name, that they that Jesus has, doesn't have the right to torment them. The demons are calling on the name of God, saying, do not torment us. Do not torment us. In this, in this conflict that's happening then and still today, Rules have been set up. There, as, as you look through Scripture and as you think about what is being said in Scripture, as you spend time unpacking Scripture, as you spend time looking at how Scripture interacts and how, how we see God working, we realize that God is all-powerful. But God has relinquished some of His power. And in this, in this statement, you see that. Because the demons know that God has set up some rules of engagement. Because in this, in this conflict, because the power is not equal, this is not a, a dualistic clash of two powerful people. This is a civil war of Satan and his angels attacking God, saying, we are challenging your character, challenging your authority. We will come in and challenge that to take control, to win. And God knows that this battle cannot be won by power. And so God has set up some rules of engagement. And these demons in this time are saying, we're calling back to the rules of our engagement. And it is not time for you to torment us yet. So take an oath by God Jesus, take an oath by God, your God. You are son of the most high God. We've already established that fact. You take that oath and you do not torment us. This is a picture into the conflict that's taking place between the powers of Jesus and the powers of darkness. This is that moment. Because they are saying, when Adam sinned, he gave up his right 
to control this area, to control earth. It's now Satan's. Satan is now the ruler of earth. And it's ours. It's our space. This is our place. We want to be here. God, do not torment us because you have set up rules. This cosmic showdown takes place with rules. So Jesus asked them, after they have called on the name of God, after they have called him out as being Jesus, son of the most high God, they have pointed out who Jesus is. Jesus asks, what is your name? Names are a powerful thing. (laughs) I like that. That's right. Jesus is in the business of taking names, but not that same way. Um, Because I just said Jesus isn't about a power, a show of power. But Jesus is taking names in a different way. And here he says, what is your name? In ancient thought, going back to this time as well, it was thought that if you could learn the name of someone, learn the name of a demon, learn the name of Jesus, or I mean, learn the name of a demon as Jesus is doing, you could get power over that demon. You you see this um, a little bit today. A lot of times in psychology and our efforts to overcome stuff in our lives, one of the first things to do is to admit you have a problem and to state that problem, to give a name to that problem so that you can begin to address it. That thought goes all the way back and is present here in, in, this, in the time of Christ. And the disciples would have understood that getting power, getting knowing the name would give them power over that demon. And so Jesus asks, what is, in, what is your name? Names are important. And so Jesus asks, what is your name? So they answer, we are legion, we are many. Then they ask, the demons ask Jesus, send us to the swine that we may enter them. A lot of times we think that Jesus came and cast these demons into the pigs. That's a a common sort of like, Jesus came and cast out these demons, they went into the pigs. But I want to point out, these demons are begging Jesus in this rules of engagement where Jesus has come. They've called on the name of God saying, do not torment us. They ask to be punished. They, they, they give the parameters for how they want to be punished. They're like, they beg Jesus, don't send us out away from this place. Don't send us out of the country. Let us stay here. Let us go into the pigs. Jesus doesn't cast the demons out into the pigs. The demons ask to go into the pigs. A cosmic conflict. Because what's happening here? A lot of times I think people may look at this and think that Jesus was mistreating the animals, that it was kind of rude to the animals, that it was rude to the people who relied on these animals for 
food or profit or for livelihood. It, it just it doesn't seem like Jesus is to come in and destroy the economy of a town. But think of John chapter 10, verse 10. We talk about that a lot here. I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. The first part of that text says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life. So in this cosmic conflict, we see that here. The demons themselves are saying, let us go into the pigs. I believe that you can make a great case that Satan was trying to thwart, was trying to gain a gain a wedge back into this assault on his beachhead, on this beachfront. He was Satan was trying to again, knowing what was happening, was trying to gain access back in. And so he comes up with an idea and says the demons into the swine, into the pigs, and they begin to run down the steep cliff and into the sea, into the lake, and drown. Satan is trying to get in and mess up the plans of Jesus because he knows that if this happens, they will, the townspeople would be like, dude, you have got to leave. You've been here for 10 minutes and you've destroyed everything about our economy. You've destroyed our livelihood. You've messed up the status quo. These crazy men over here, we know where they are because they scream and bang about. They break the chains. They are loud, noisy. We know where they are. We like to keep our fears in a corner where we know where they are. We like to keep things organized and status quo. But Jesus comes. But Jesus comes and brings life-altering change. He brings life-altering change. And it messes with us. It messes us up. It may take away your livelihood. It may take away things that you hold on. It may take your fears and overcome them. And now your fears are sitting in the right mind. And you don't know what to do. Because things are different. I am who I am. But with Jesus... We can be something else. And in this conflict, Jesus comes in and shows, shows his willingness to negotiate with demons who he has ultimate power over and says, okay, if you want it that way, go ahead. And so he gives them permission. Go. And Satan tries to gain a wedge back into this battle, trying to take back Catacomb Cove for himself. The cosmic conflict is going on, but Jesus steps into it. Jesus steps in to these demon-possessed men's lives 
meets the situation head on and changes them forever. The cosmic showdown leads to cosmic decisions. These men who were out there, not even contained, they just lived out there because the chains that they would bind them up with, they would break them free, break the chains and would just roam about. They would break the chains yet not have freedom. Chains, visible chains, are not the only thing that will bind us. We can have broken chains, yet still not have freedom. The cosmic decision comes when we choose to surrender everything to Christ. Because as we talked about earlier, when Christ comes in and messes with our status quo, things will happen. We may lose things that we love. We may lose money. We may lose prestige, power, jobs. We may lose family members. But Jesus isn't asking, are you willing to add me to your collection of things, he's asking us, are you willing to make me the sole collection and trust me when we have these moments in our lives where we have power or influence or money? And I'm not talking lots of money. I'm just talking if we've got anything, we can hold on to that and not surrender to Jesus. In this cosmic conflict, our number one weapon is to surrender to the leader who's fighting the battles for us. Jesus on that beachhead is fighting this battle between darkness. He is standing there. He is healing these men. He is clothing them. Where once they were not clothed, they were naked, they are now clothed. Jesus longs to clothe our nakedness with his robes of righteousness. Broken chains, yet still no freedom. This is one of those interesting parts of the story. The men, after they have been healed, after they have been freed and are sitting there in their right mind, after the town has gone berserk and said, Jesus, you have got to go. These men ask, they beg, just like the demons begged, they beg. Please, Jesus, can we go with you? But Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you 
and how he has had compassion on you. Jesus told these cured men, no, I want you to stay here because he knew that these men had a story to tell. That these men, now in their right minds, freed both from the chains and from the the spiritual bondage that they had been in, as they were freed and in their right mind, Jesus knew that these two brand new believers, these two untrained individuals, were going to be his army to go from this beachhead and to move out into the Decapolis, out into the ten cities, out into the region, and we're going to change that area. This is the result of a life surrendered to Christ. As they move out, they give up the opportunity to go and be trained more. I mean, come on. Why wouldn't Jesus have taken these two with their amazing story on his tour of Jerusalem, on his into his crowd of 12 and made it a crowd of 14 and been like, I mean, they would have made better disciples. They would have made better disciples because for crying out loud, come on. The disciples had just witnessed Jesus saying, peace, be still. And yet they still cowered. They still hunkered down in their boats. They still did not believe because they had expectations. One of the biggest things that gets in our way of seeing what Jesus is doing in our lives is expectations. We expect that this is how I think Jesus should work in my life. We have an expectation. The disciples had an expectation of just as much power as just as much power as was just displayed in the calming of the storm and the healing of the demons. They believed every bit of that power but to take down the Romans. They wanted it to be a political power, a temporal win for them in their situation right here, right now. In Jerusalem, dude, you've got to get these guys out of here. Jesus, come in with that power, the same power. Come on, God, the same power that you use right here. Come on and just go ahead and wipe these people out. Expectations will get in the way of Jesus working in our lives every single time. We have got to understand that we need to be fully surrendered and say, Jesus, I don't know what you have. And Jesus, if it is you sending me away from you, I mean, come on, if, if I can't hang out with you, Jesus, but, but I have to go over here and just tell my story. If that's what you want, Lord, I will do it. These men had no expectations. They only knew the peace. They only knew a peace that passed understanding that was unexplainable. And so Jesus sent two soldiers, two converted individuals out into this town. And the conquest of Catacomb Cove on Swine Sand Beach moved out into the cities. It moved out into the cities. And when Jesus came back to this place a few months later, there were probably not only another thousand pigs there, but there were a thousand 
give or take. Probably give or take more, more. There were probably more than a thousand people who came when Jesus came back to hear the message and preaching of Jesus that these men hadn't even heard. They came out to hear stuff that these men didn't even know about. They came out to hear this Jesus. Jesus, tell us more about this kingdom that you have come and somehow use these two crazy dudes to infiltrate this region and thousands of people came to see Jesus. The power of two surrendered individuals moving out, moving out. The power of, as Mark says, a single, the power of a single individual going out and telling their story has the ability through the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit to change lives. We can achieve and experience a cosmic victory. That victory was because those men departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for them. Our cosmic victory lies there too. Our victory is found in the presence of Jesus fully surrendered to him, speaking the name of Jesus in faith. This is where our cosmic victory lies. It is not by fighting the battles. It is by putting on the armor of God. It is by, in faith, speaking the name of Jesus. In faith, speaking the name of Jesus. We can have a cosmic victory when we surrender to Jesus. When we have that faith as a mustard seed that can say to those mountains, that can say to those demons, go away from here and go over there. We can speak in faith the name of Jesus. This cosmic conflict is a chance for us to demonstrate that Jesus is right. That God is right. That his character is love. And it takes a demonstration. We have a story to tell of Jesus in our lives. We have the ability to come to a beachhead, to, in the name of Jesus, step in faith onto that beach and begin to change the world for Jesus. Will you join that mission? Will you join that request of God, the opportunity to be a life-altering, mountain-moving, demon-casting-outing, demon-destroying, that's better. Alleluia. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you 
are fighting for us. We thank you that in these stories we can see that it is your power, that it is the power found in your name that gives us any hope of meeting these battles and finding victory. So Lord, we thank you that you have come here to demonstrate your love for us. Lord, I pray that we will fully surrender to you. We ask these things in the saving name of Jesus. Amen.